Everyone is going to need a bike and you're going to have to know how to fix your bike to deal with the upcoming civil war. That's what I know about politics. Oh. Wow. I asked if you really oh, wanted to go there. I was trying to manifest the inner monologue of every impatient driver behind a cyclist. So, you know, like, hurry. <laughs> go, 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 go. Look, no, really look. It's a green light. Well, you can either have a place to store your car and be okay riding eight miles an hour behind Ollie on his cargo bike, or you can give up some parking and go 20 to 25, and Ollie will ride off to the side like you want him to. But you have to pick one. Right now, drivers want to have their cake and eat it too. It isn't just free public transportation because we need it. It's free public transportation because we're living in the car capital of the world. So when they're talking about a tsunami in Southeast Asia, Los Angeles is one of the cities that caused that tsunami because people want to ride in their single passenger automobiles, right? Bike Talk, KPFK on the live stream and now on Zoom, COVID edition. This is Don Ward and my co-host, Nick Richards. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing good. We have our friend from Cal Bike on, once again, Dave Snyder. Hi, Don. How are you? Nice to see you. Good. Good to see you too, man. We have you on today to talk about the dream ride. Tell us. Good. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, I wonder how many of your listeners do recreational rides. Like uh, you do, right? You jump on your bike and you ride lots of miles. Uh, um, on the weekends, if you can find beautiful roads and stuff like that. I've been doing a lot of miles actually up and down the coast. Um, Santa Barbara and El Capitan from Ventura. It's been really great this summer. So been doing a lot more recreation. Do you think you can lately. do 300 miles in nine days? Definitely could do 300 miles in nine days. I've done the AIDS think. life cycle ride. So this one will be a little bit shorter, right? 300 in nine yeah, days. It's, 30, it's what, 33 miles a day. That sounds uh, leisurely. That sounds actually pretty fun. All right, so you should do the challenge then. <laughs> where, where are we going from? Wherever you want. That's the thing with this year's Dream Ride. Uh, okay. To, to do it yourself. Okay. Uh, so it's, so we it's, choose our own routes. Yep. Yep. It's 300 miles. Um, you get folks to pledge support. It's kind of like a bike-a-thon. The, the normal Dream Ride, which is the best way the most fun way anyway to raise money for bike advocacy uh is one where you get your friends to support your ride and and it costs little it costs about 25 3,000 bucks and we ride about 300 miles gorgeous down the coast well this year we can't ride together so it's the same thing but you're riding on your own and um you know you can raise as much money as you want i'm, I'm gonna raise three thousand bucks all right challenge accepted <laughs> um so is this this is going to expand beyond even california then i guess we could do it could but we're only we're only promoting it to california i mean it 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 raises money for cow bike so, or as me as a california resident i could go ride utah or something oh yeah of course yeah you can ride wherever you want yeah okay yeah we right have that, so the way it works is that uh you you sign up at cadreamride.org and that has all the info 
and you make your initial donation for whatever you want. And, and then uh, you'll get a, a fundraising page set up where you can solicit donations to support your ride to meet your fundraising goal. And when the, when the ride starts on Saturday, October 3rd, you have nine days. So that weekend, the next week, and the following weekend uh, to do those 300 miles. And okay. I, I'm not one of those kind of riders, Don. I don't, I don't do that. The dream ride is the, is the only long recreational ride that I do. Um, and so it's going to be hard for me to do 300 miles, to be honest, in, in, in nine days. Um, That's 30 miles a day. So I know. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do like, uh, you know, just this past weekend, I did 30 miles on a day, maybe even 40. And I could do that two days in a row easily enough, you know, but, but not every day. That's a lot. Well, this is the challenge, right? So do you have, is there a way that we can all tune in and see where people are at or yes. are going to do like an interactive element? Yes, yeah. yes, totally. So um, there will be a leaderboard. Uh, every day you will report your miles either if you use Strava they'll be reported automatically um, or you can go on to our uh, uh, website and do an enter a form to enter the miles that you rode that day and it'll show up in a leaderboard and however many miles you did uh, you know whoever does the most miles will be on top of the leaderboard obviously uh, and uh, hopefully everyone will, will hit 300. Uh, here's the other thing though this is for people like me. And that is that you can earn miles by doing things that aren't just riding. So if you say, for example, donate a bike to a community bike shop, that's worth a hundred miles. If you uh, wow. teach a kid how to ride a bike, that's worth a hundred miles. If you donate to your local community organization, that's worth a, a dollar a mile up to a hundred miles. So you could really do 300 miles without, you know, riding one. That's not as much fun. But the idea is that uh, it, it gets you to connect with your local community and it gets you to support your local organizations if you don't already or support them more. Um, and it helps going to help me get 300 miles. <laughs> right on. That sounds cool. So the basic gist is you're, you're kind of asking your friends to sponsor you a mile per mile kind of thing. I'm going to ask them for a dollar a mile. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's my, my, my friends who can afford 300 bucks. There's a, I have a lot of friends who can't afford 300 bucks. So I'll ask them for what they can, what they can afford. Um, sure. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, I mean, and I'm going to ride maybe by myself, but I have friends that I, that I feel safe riding with. We know how to be careful and not breathe on each other too hard and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, is there some kind of science about being in someone's draft right now? Because no, no, I have, I have I a couple not, friends too, and we're always like, should we be know, in each other's draft? Don, um, that's a really good question. And I have not seen any data on spreading events caused by bike riding together. Mm -hmm. I but I wouldn't count on that as proof that it's safe because I have seen data that shows that your little micro droplets follow behind you in your draft uh, mm. and follow along with you and you're riding in a cloud of your own breath as you as you draft. And so if you're drafting or as you ride, so if you're drafting behind someone, you're riding in their cloud of breath. So, um, <laughs> so stay in front. So stay in front. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Like stay in front or die. <laughs> <laughs> the new challenge for the dream ride. So anyway, uh, so, you know, yeah. I, I, uh, I think I, my own risk tolerance, and I'm not speaking on behalf of, uh, you know, the coalition with any, uh, uh, verified knowledge, but my own risk tolerance is that I'll ride with my friends and I'll draft them for moments at a time, but just moments and uh, mostly just ride on my own and ride side by side, you know, that's safe. So I, I, and, and when we stop, we'll sit far apart, so. Okay, sounds very cool. What's the website address one more time for, for people to go to? cadreamride.org. cadreamride.org. Yep. And uh, the money goes to Cal Bike, and you guys do a lot of political work statewide. On yeah, the bikes. yeah, it's it's pretty much uh, all statewide, or at least that's our priority. Um, next year, we have the uh, the luxury of having all this time starting now to 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 plan. Normally, we're we're getting ready for the. A physical dream ride we're getting ready for the summit and we're we're finishing up uh, a legislative session uh and sort of sort of resting after a really busy legislative session the last day for the governor to sign bills is is next is next thursday so um we're we're really we're usually super occupied with this year's agenda uh this year we have the opportunity to prepare for next year uh and be more prepared for next year so i'm, I'm looking forward to it we are gonna um do three or four things uh we haven't we haven't finalized this so got a lot of work to do with the community to to pick the priorities for sure but uh, one of our favorite projects is is getting bike share and scooter share to be honest uh just you know distributed and available in all California communities, especially those communities that uh, can't afford it now with the current pricing structure. It, it, it should be part of public transit. It should be free. And if not free, it should be, uh, you know, for the same cost of a bus ride and with a free transfer to a bus, you know? Totally. Uh, I took a scooter ride um, just to try it out. And it was like, I think I spent like $3.50 for a half a mile. Yeah. I was like, how is this worth more than um, sitting in a car, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's not. And, and that's what those companies have to charge to, to make money. And, um, you know, and even then, I don't, I don't know that they're making money. So, so the way relying on those companies to provide that service is not, is not going to work. It's just not going to provide the transportation that we want to see. So... Uh, we want to figure out how how the, the the government can can cover it and include it as part of public transit. So that's one of our most exciting priorities for next year. The other thing is is continuing our work with Caltrans to get them to uh, always put in bike lanes when they repave a street. The complete streets campaign that we've been working on. Uh, yeah, how's that going? You know what? Surprisingly well. We were all really disappointed um, when the the governor vetoed our bill last year, yeah. and. And, you know, we put on a, an optimistic face about it. We, we complained, but we, we said that, you know, we were counting on the governor to be true to his word and a brand new Caltrans director who wasn't part of the, the, the veto to uh, 
you know, do the right thing and, and, and implement the, the spirit of this bill without having it be required. And uh, uh, I, I was being a little bit political, I thought, in, in doing that. I wasn't very optimistic. I was just, you know, putting on a, a positive face because that was the right thing to do. Well, it turns out we were right. It's so far so good. So far, the, the new director of Caltrans is doing everything right. Nice. Uh, you know, the, the jury is still out. There's a few important decisions coming up and, and we'll really know when the next shop, uh, which is the state's big uh, repayment pro program, when the next shop comes due, uh, will the projects described in the shop have all the safety elements that they're supposed to have or not? So, so that's the next big test. And, and so far, so good on that. Okay. Yeah, sometimes it seems like if, uh, you know, for example, if Newsom were to uh, agree to, uh, you know, not, I forget the name of the bill, but if he didn't veto it, there would be some kind of uh, backlash against him and, and uh, maybe that might hinder progress versus him, you know, vetoing it, but then on the down low, doing good things. I guess you have to kind of trust them. I would have preferred way. him to sign the bill, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I get that feeling with like high-speed rail, like some, at some point he seemed to announce that high-speed rail was over, but then Streets Blog is reporting high-speed rail is still going. And I'm like, all right, I thought he said it was over, but maybe they just said that to get the press off his back or something. So, Okay. Um, anything else that uh, is coming up for Newsom to potentially veto or not that we're concerned about? There's one bill that we're watching, and that is uh, Wiener's bill that that um, exempts some bike and transit projects from environmental review for a right to sort of yeah. expedite some sustainable transportation projects. Um, I, I, th I think he'll sign that one. Yeah, you know, so. we had, we had yeah, we had Scott and uh, Laura, Scott Wiener and Laura Friedman on last uh, two weeks ago, talked about this and that he was getting heckled to a new level, like, <clears throat> like, like crazy NIMBY, like anti-Semitic shit out there um, being thrown at him. So he's on, on, on your show. Well, no, no. He, they show. were, they were saying that he's, you know, well, that's Laura a different Scott were saying that and it was just I guess it was a different bill, but they're, they're just NIMBY resistance to that anything that guy does. So it'd be good news if, if that particular bill got through um, because he does come under a lot of fire for for the things that he calls for. Surprisingly, in California, where we should be progressive on stuff like development and and, uh, you know, bike lanes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, you know, we're a diverse state. Yeah, <laughs> but we have we have powerful interests though that still kind of hang around and throw things off, right? Or am I being too paranoid? No, you're you're being right. It's all it's all within the Democratic Party and the power structure here, but the same dynamics play out. You know, mm -hmm. I mean. So, what do you know about politics? You must know quite a bit about politics. Can you wrap it up in a nutshell? And like, uh, what do you know? Um, God, do you really want me to do that? Yeah, we got like 10 more minutes. Give us, give us a, give us a two sentence, um, summary of your knowledge of politics. Um, 
everyone is gonna need a bike and you're gonna have to know how to fix your bike and you're gonna have to maintain good relationships with your neighbors uh, who can support you and provide you food and water and shelter and help help you prepare your bikes to deal with the upcoming civil war that's what i know about politics oh. <laughs> wow i asked if you really oh, wanted to go there all yeah. right, we're going there. This is bike talk. We're, you know, we're punk rock over here. We can give you the real. So, a prepper. So it's not going to be like Mad Max where they have fuel and cars, and it's going to be bikes. We're just going to have to rely on bikes because there's not going to be gasoline. Maybe after the, I mean, that, that's a pretty collapse right? prognosis, isn't it? Um, but. Um, I'm I've I've been I've been it's been weighing heavily on my mind lately the, the the divisions in this country and the and our failure to to reconcile, um, and with lots of things obviously and uh, so you asked <laughs> what did you mean to ask what what exactly you went right yeah. to the heart of the question and and but when you talk about the divisions <laughs> in our country I mean I am trying to figure it out you know, just on my own, but as somebody who, who's just professionally dealing with divisions and trying to find ways of getting everybody on board, you know, how, how do you, what do you do about this divisions aside from deal with the civil war once it happens? I mean, is there, I mean, I mean, in, in, um, in California, it's different because we don't have the partisan divisions, the, the sort of national power structure that has an interest in dividing this country into two sides that hate each other and don't trust each other. They've put California into the left box. And, and so uh, within the state at the level that, that our organization works, we don't have those divisions quite that way. It's a little more of a rational debate uh, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the divisions within the, the divisions that matter are within the Democratic Party, for example, and, and, and there, uh, the, the um, sort of coalition building and, and divisions that are most dangerous are the, the ones that um, have, are the ones of income, you know, it's rich versus poor. And because of uh, how that's racialized in this country it's it's uh you know black and brown people suffering the the worst of of every calamity that comes down the pike uh they get it worse and the, and the and the division gets wider and that's not acceptable and so the the um, the, the work in california about building those coalitions and and keeping people together is is, is really uh, about equity and it's about race uh, you can't separate those two. It's about economic equity and it's about race and, and, and making sure that everything that we do, uh, you know, for the climate, for example, doesn't make those problems worse. Um, and, and, uh, and, and even better makes them better. So, um, and, and, and it's exciting to see us making like minor progress on, on those things, you know, um, I, I'm not, I'm not at all hopeless for, for California. Um, for the nation. Let's say we let's say we get to the coming civil war, right? Should California just exit? Should I we just wish. Cal exit? I love that, don't you think? I mean, 
the day that what's his name got elected, I was like, Cal exit, let's do this. Cause yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the, that's the, uh, a peaceful way out. Uh, but the last time states tried to leave the union, um, it wasn't very peaceful. Yeah. I mean, I think that the federal government would put up a huge fight to keep us because we are one of the economic, you know, generators of this country. So they're not going to let us go too Yeah, easy. so like it's going to be the opposite of the last civil war. It's going to be the north or, you know, the, the, the blue states are going to try to secede. <laughs> yeah. It's all about Biden. We're, we're, we're going to become, it's the sideburn theory of Canada. So Canada is going to grow some sideburns <laughs> by absorbing the east and west coasts. I've seen, I've seen like pictures of the map. It's like, let's just secede and join Canada and the Midwest states can do whatever the hell they want. So uh, this is an opportunity to bring it back to bikes um, because uh, when I am feeling down about the, um, the, you know, circumstances let's just say get on my bike getting on my bike and riding it makes me feel better every every single time every single time right it doesn't solve the problem but it makes me feel better and uh, it's totally. better, and better than uh you know drugs or alcohol uh to to help make me feel better it's it's healthy so um i i really encourage people to take up the challenge uh, cadreamride.org it, it'll it'll support uh, our work next year which is very hopeful in a hopeful state you know i mean i like i said i i have hope for california um and uh you know i think i think we're making some good changes here and, and we need the help you know the dream ride was a big fundraiser for us and uh it's not happening uh like it normally does so this different thing has got to work or else or else we we're, we're in trouble for next year we, we really need this to work so uh i really encourage people to help yourself feel good and support the cause by signing up for the dream ride. All right. We'll uh, put the word out to our viewers and um, put the, uh, the website address on the uh, SoundCloud, right, Nick? You can do that, right? Okay. Is there any, other, uh, and let's get the uh, social media handles before we uh, bid you adieu. It's CA. You know, I don't know what those are. Um, okay. It's Calbike is like Calbike on at Calbike on Twitter. At, at Calbike is our is our uh, thing on Twitter. I, I think it's at CA Dream Ride. Um, okay. The most important thing is just to learn more about the ride. You know, like what, what what is this thing and how can you do it? Uh, and that's cadreamride.org. Okay, awesome, Dave. Thanks for coming on and giving us an update. And uh, we'll have you back on after the uh, governor makes his decisions. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. Love bike talk. Take care. Dave. So. Yes. Well, we're going to, we're going to swing it over to the East coast. Now we've got Ollie Oliver, the literal man, the on the literal street. East, the literal man on the street. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey, hey. I just saw your video um, today. And uh, it, it was an interesting title, Cyclist Pisses Everyone Off by Legally Riding in the Street. And you're in New Jersey, right? I am, I am in New Jersey. I ride in New York City uh, quite a bit as well because I'm in Jersey City, which is just across the Hudson. 
Um, but yeah, I, um, I decided to take that thing that we've all heard at a community meeting about getting a new bike lane that, you know, none of these cyclists follow the rules. And, and I decided to try to be as literal as possible about that. Um, sometimes just to, to demonstrate that that really doesn't fix anything. Um, and you know, it's, it's really not that hard to imagine. Uh, if, if you have a car, um, and you set out to follow all the rules to the letter of the law, you're going to make drivers pretty upset. Um, you're going to make <laughs> other drivers pretty upset. I do it all the time. And I actually do it with a, a little bit of giddiness inside of me when I'm driving. I drive the speed limit. I time the lights and drive yeah. slower than traffic. Completely safe and completely legal. And I see drivers lose their fucking minds. Um, and when I do it on a bike, your life is in danger. Do you ever feel like, I mean, I saw the video. It looks like a few times you actually got hit. I mean, feel like, I mean, so it looks scary. The, the times I got, the times I got hit, um, a lot of, a lot of those times weren't, uh, me riding in the middle of the lane. Um, it's a little count it's a little counterintuitive, but like I, you know, would ride off to the side, um, more, I wasn't as assertive and drivers don't realize how big and wide their cars are. And they try to squeeze through a little gap or they don't know that you're there because you were off to the side. So they weren't looking for you. Um, and, and that's when I went to the hospital. Um, these videos where I'm doing driver interviews, it's often because, I'm asserting my right to take primary position. Um, and it doesn't feel good to have drivers like coming right up behind you or driving close by you, but it's, they know you're there, which is actually safer. Right. That's, that is what, uh, are you familiar? Are you consider yourself a vehicular cyclist? Are you familiar with that phrase? Oh, that's super loaded. Um, I am familiar with that <laughs> and, phrase. And no judgment, no judgment. I mean, I ride vehicular when I'm riding here, but I'm also an advocate of, you know, right. good bicycling so structure. The vocab I use around this is that I am not a vehicular cyclist. Okay. I have borrowed some of their techniques for defensive bike riding. So I, I practice defensive bike riding and advocate for protected bike lanes. There we go. Okay. And not just you know, uh, uh, bare minimum protected bike lanes. We, we, we want, we want the good stuff. We want them to take out some parking. So there's visibility at conflict points and, and all yeah. that good stuff, right? Yeah. Jersey That's barriers or, um, parked cars between the bike lane and the, the car mm -hmm. travel lanes and yeah. Uh, protected intersections, the, the grade A stuff. So Ali, I, I got in touch with you because I found myself retweeting several of your tweets and I was just thinking this, this person has good tweets, but then I, I, you know, you said you'd be on the show and I looked at your videos and it's just the perfect, it's like the, the archetypal video of a bike ride that, that I saw one of them where a car honks at you and then goes around you 
you know, illegally and then mm-hmm. immediately stops. Mm-hmm. And then you did the, the perfect thing, which was you had a really good horn. It sounded like a, I don't know what kind of horn that was. So that video was featuring an air sound, which is like an air horn. I've since upgraded to the loud bicycle. So now my bike sounds just like a Geo Metro, which I love. <laughs> um, and then, Geo Metro of all cars. And then, and then you started yelling. Well, should we just play this video? Yeah, let's play the video. Let's give, let's give everybody This is just a, the post-story video. So here it is. Yes, hello. That's not correct. That's not the law. My bike is my main form of transportation. I film every bike ride I take because I want to raise public awareness that cyclists have a right to be in the middle of the lane. What the f***, dude? In the absence of a bike lane. Where's the bike lane? There isn't. That's where I'm allowed to be. In the state of New Jersey, in the absence of a bike lane, a bicycle rider should stay as far right as practicable. But there are a number of exceptions. The risk of getting doored would fall under one of those exceptions. Our streets are very narrow. And in that case, a bicycle rider can absolutely occupy the lane as a motorist would. I've had police officers misquote the law to me as ride as far right as possible. The word is practicable. And as far right as practicable on most Jersey City streets is the middle of the lane. No! It's legal, but that doesn't mean it's a good idea. If you're in a car or a truck, these people on bikes, they're like insects. I post videos on social media. You almost killed me just now. Yo! I also try to explain the laws to people. I'm going to suggest you go check out the New Jersey Department of Transportation Bicycle Handbook. I want to show people that when I follow all the rules, I get harassed by drivers. Supposed to be on the side. You're holding up the traffic. I am trapped. I've been sent to the ER four times while riding a bike. I broke my wrist and had to go through months of physical therapy. You're unaffected by this. I wanted to hear the, the things that you were yelling behind the car. You were, it, it was just the perfect things to yell. It was like, oh, that was, that's, a, that's a different video. I think they maybe used a short clip of it, but um, I'm, I'm worried I didn't hashtag that one, so it's a little bit harder to find. But uh, the wording is, um, I made a friend today. So if you search friend and Ollie Cycles, you, Ollie underscore Cycles on Twitter, you should come up. Um, but it was just the, it, I was trying to manifest the inner monologue of every impatient driver behind a cyclist. So, you know, like, hurry, hurry. There's important people behind us. We have to go thing and, and laying on the air sound. And the thing was that they passed me. Um, I, I knew the section of roads coming up. I knew where the stoplights were. I knew I was going to catch up to that person three or four times in the next, 10 minutes and I was on a fully loaded cargo bike. So the thing is that drivers think they're, you know, oh, I'm, I'm in a car. I'm so much faster, but all you're going to do is spend more time at the traffic light. You should just chillax and wait for a safe opportunity to pass. Totally. And I think we're going to uh, mark off a bike talk bingo square right now, but 
hypermiling. If you hypermile and you time the lights, I don't know if you ever heard of that, but when you're driving, you don't actually have to pass the cyclists. You could just drive at about the same speed and you're going to get all the green lights. You're not going to have to rush up to a stop sign. That's what cyclists understand. We know these drivers, they're so impatient and they just have to get past them. And, and they jam on, on the, you know, they jam on the brakes and they stop at the light and you cruise right up. Right. I've seen drivers lose their minds when they see me like stop sign after stop sign. (laughs) It's pretty funny. So, well, and I was just trying to communicate some of that humor a little bit to that specific driver, but I also knew I was, I, I was running films. So I, I hoped it would turn out and it, it did. It, it, made a lot of people happy that video so you you ended up making friends with a driver over this nick do we have that is that true this, this is what you're no, saying that's sarcastic i think oh okay oh yeah 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 that was sarcastic but do, I, do we have this video do we have this audio we should hear this Wait, I can does it, it go a minute okay <laughs> um i i think i dm'd it to one of you yeah um okay um but i have actually made friends quote unquote with a couple of drivers where after I caught up to them and I explain what the laws are, explain the cyclist perspective. I have had a couple of drivers be like, Oh, I never thought about it that way before. I'll try to do better. Um, but that's like two out of a hundred. So. Sounds like we're going to the clip or that's wind on Nick's microphone. Vroom, vroom. Oh no, this is the clip. Vroom, vroom. So we're waiting at a green light Hurry. or at a red light where they've Hurry. just pulled in front of me. Hurry! <laughs> go, 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 go! Look, no, really look! It's a green light! We have to go! We're in a hurry! Oh my goodness! Why are we going so slow? We have to hurry! We have to hurry! Go, 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 go! Now he's chasing the car. There's important people behind us! Hurry! <laughs> so then we go to double time, and uh, the van pulls away, and now I catch up to them at a. Damn cyclist holding up traffic! I mean, this is exactly what I'm, it's my inter- internal monologue, you know, many, many times when I'm dealing with these cars. Like, what are you, a surgeon? Are you on your way to the surgery? <laughs> what do you have, a gold hat on your head? You need to get to the front. Yeah. My one, one. I think we got one more coming. Why are we waiting? This is where you pass. <laughs> yeah, so this no. is. A, Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, at this point in the video, it's a really long light. And I know that if I don't filter, there's going to be a lot of turning conflicts Bye! and stuff. So I got ahead of them, and then I stopped and let them go before my final turn off and said goodbye. 
<laughs> How many of these do you get into on a like a weekly, so monthly? My grocery store is three quarters of a mile away, and I I go grocery shopping approximately once a week, and I probably get some form of harassment every other time three out of four probably it people people around here just they they think that cyclists are literally supposed to be on the sidewalk they they got their driver's license out of a crackerjack box or they just give them away (laughs) at the dmv i guess i don't know they definitely hand them out i would say they hand them out like strip club flyers in vegas over here so probably that way in most states it's they they spend way more time on parallel parking than they do on uh, pedestrian and cyclist rights. And so people just have no idea what the law is. And they think that it's my job to get out of their way so that they can go 35 and a 25 and they're unhappy about it. And the thing is that I know I'm going to catch up to them. So I ride in primary. They eventually force a pass get in front of me, go to the next stoplight. And then I catch up to them at the stoplight and I say, Hey, excuse me. Was there a problem back there? Do you understand what the law is? No, that's not correct. And I'm, I'm always hoping for those two out of a hundred I told you about where someone will go, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I'll call the mayor and tell him that we need more bike lanes so that you're out of my way and we don't have this conflict anymore. But what I always get is, no, you're supposed to be on the side. No, that's not correct. No, no, no. How right. Did, how did you transform into the, the person, that, into the literal man on the street? What's your um, origin story? So uh, I'm, I'm not, I have an acting degree that I'm not using professionally at the moment. Um, but uh, that combined with... Uh, a couple of years I spent canvassing for um, transportation alternatives, New York City's um, transportation advocacy organization, um, has gotten me uh, really well versed in what the laws actually are, um, how to frame the issue, how to talk calmly in the face of someone who's maybe upset about bikes or buses or some other form of change. People are afraid of change. Um, and so I'm, I have all this practice speaking about these issues in high pressure situations. So I was able to transfer that to me on, on the bike. Um, it helps that I know that I'm filming myself and that I want to post it to social media. So I don't want to come off like a total jerk. Um, uh, I, I know I'm being filmed. I think they know they're being filmed but most of them don't rein it in. So whatever, they're, they're putting on a great show and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to raise awareness. I've had a few people in my community tell me like, oh, hey, I saw that news story. I had no idea what it's like to try to ride a bike for transportation in Jersey City. So I'm, I'm hoping that convinces a few people that like, hey, these bike lanes aren't, aren't for roadies to go out and have a good time. It's so Ollie can go to the grocery store without getting killed, which seems like a pretty reasonable thing. Right. Yes. Yeah. How do you, and how do you, I mean, I've done it, I guess, but it seems like every time I even talk to a 
to somebody in one of these situations, there's just, you know, the, the imminent violence. I mean, how does, how does that, uh, how do you walk into that? Or, you know, what do you tell yourself? Um, I mean, part of it is that if you're, if you're riding a bike for transportation, you're already overcoming some amount of risk averseness. You know, like if, if you have a really high self-preservation uh, drive, you might not be riding a bike for transportation right now because there, there isn't the infrastructure there for it. Um, you know, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the vehicles that I'm supposed to quote unquote share the road with are super freaking deadly you know, lifted trucks and Suburbans and Grand Cherokees, all this, all, all this stuff that people want to pass you within inches. Like if you can put up with that, someone yelling mean things at you out their car window, not that big of a deal. Um, I, I had one incident. I didn't film it because I was a pedestrian. I was, I was walking back to my bike um, and I didn't run out of the crosswalk soon enough. And this guy got out of his car like he wanted to fight me. And I have a five-foot kryptonite chain on my cargo bike. So I just unlocked that and laid it over my shoulder. Um, and he suddenly got really invested in getting back in his car. <laughs> so um, I, wear, I wear a New York forget about it kryptonite in a holster on my hip most of the time. Um, that's very accessible. I don't want to ever use these things to defend myself, but I have considered the possibility that I've got a, I've got a pretty substantial club on, on my hip at all times when I'm, when I'm riding my bike. Hmm. There should be classes in how to use those. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Um, yeah. And so you're putting out content on a regular basis? I know you're on Twitter. I mean, it's basically just Twitter. I'm, I'm probably about to upload my very first YouTube video um, because I just had a 15 minute conversation with a driver today. Um, it was like every conversation I've ever had strung together. You know, why aren't you on the sidewalk? Why aren't you riding more off to the side? Why aren't you in just explaining the laws, the geometry of the street, the reality of where there are and mostly aren't bike lanes. And he just, he just kept wanting to talk to me. So I was just going to keep answering his questions. Mm. Um, I would love for the city to hire me to do this for them on a more official basis, because maybe then instead of this driver saying, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. Um, if, if they made it a little more official, maybe I would actually get through to some people. I definitely think that, um, I should be training, uh, all the drivers for the city fleet. Um, you know, like there are, there are people that are driving city vehicles around right now. I've had people in city of Jersey city vehicles tell me to ride on the sidewalk. And it's like, we, we need to. I don't think education is a very strong tool. I think engineering is way better. Protected bike lanes, 
reduce this conflict way better than driver's ed. But in the meantime, drivers should understand you have to give up some parking if you want me out of the street, out of your way. If you want to be able to drive 25, like that's, that's the trade-off, right? Because these people show up to community meetings and say like, no, don't put in this bike lane. I need to store my car somewhere. And it's like, well, you can either have a place to store your car and be okay riding eight miles an hour behind Ollie on his cargo bike when it's fully loaded, or you can give up some parking and go 20 to 25 and hopefully no more um, in the street. And, and Ollie will ride off to the side like you want him to. But you have to pick one. Right now, drivers want to have their cake and eat it too. And it makes me crazy. Yeah, and the problem is there's often not really enough space to do a proper bike lane out of the door zone. And so you're just, you're going to have streets that don't have bike infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And it's like... You know, there has to be, this is the thing that vehicular cyclists can't bring themselves to say is there has to be a way to tame drivers so that they're not driving at a deadly speed so that you can mix properly with cycling, the, you know, people using uh, bikes as mode share. And uh, it's just, there's, it's, it's a never ending cycle of back and forth, it seems like. But it's great to get the word out to these drivers. It kind of probably puts a thing in their head where you're like, this street doesn't have a bike lane. If you want me out of your way, the street needs a bike lane. And maybe they take that away. Maybe they're angry, but maybe they, maybe this somehow gets to them. That's, that's the hope. That's, that's really what was behind me starting this. I think of it as a interview series. Mm-hmm. Um, or I hope that politicians watch it and go, oh, those people at these community meetings, they're not, they're not being rational about this. I shouldn't take them at face value, you know, when they, when they give us all the reasons why this bike lane should be on some other street. It's always some other street. We have to pick some streets. Some of them need a bike lane. Right, right. I always say that the streets with a with a, with a uh, average, or I guess you call it the prima facie speed of more than 25 miles an hour should have bike infrastructure. So choose one. And by the way, if you make it 25 miles an hour, you're actually going to be timed with the lights anyways. So, well, Ollie, thanks for coming on, man. It's um, very interesting to see uh, what happens when you actually ride legally in the lane out there in Jersey city. And it's the same way here in LA. A lot of times, uh, most big cities, you run into this kind of uh, problem. So it's, it's great that you're out there risking your life. You're risking your life for this. Um, so we want you to stay safe and, uh, you know, hopefully, um, We'll have you back on and and uh, do some more updates when you when you you're gonna start your your YouTube channel, right? And we'll we'll get you back I, on here to promote that. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, give us your social media, and um, we'll. Uh, so it's we'll... Ollie O L L I E underscore cycles with an S on the end of that. 
Ollie underscore cycles on Twitter, right? On Twitter. Yep. Okay, cool. We'll follow you and we'll post the link on our SoundCloud. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot, guys. It was fun. Great to find out about what you're doing. I always thought it'd be interesting to, uh, to, you know, we talked about the DMV handing out driver's licenses, like club flyers. It's like, could we do some kind of an action where we show up to the DMV as the students are driving out of the lot, right? And you hand them a pamphlet and you talk to the teacher in that's, that's or the instructor or whatever. And you'd be like, you guys are going to go over cycling and pedestrian safety too, right? Like here's a pamphlet just in case you need supplemental materials and uh, maybe even do something where it's like we sort of swarm the, <laughs> the, the drivers with, you know, bikes and give them a, a good uh, teaching. So yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and put it up on social media. Yeah. Do like some kind of action. We take like maybe two or three people, you know, on a Thursday or something and just go out there and talk to the instructors and the drivers and uh, I don't know, somehow documented or something like that. I don't know. All right. Um, why don't we go to Eric Ochoa and he's going to do some, what are we doing today? Not news. We're doing something else. He's not, he's taking a, he's departing. He's saying he's going in a different direction. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it's funny because I think every, every time you guys have me on, um, when I come on and listen to what you guys are, are talking about with, I mean, previous guests, Ollie, um, you guys were talking about bike lanes and there's always something that like I saw earlier in the week that coincides with what you guys were talking about. And I saw a short video of someone that was riding down Figueroa. There's like, you know, a bike lane in there, but it's in the area where the convention center is at, um, right before reaching um, the other, uh, Eco. And you, like the bike lane is all just like taking up like the parked cars. So there's no way that you can like, you know, yeah. get on the bike lane and like ride safely on there. And I guess it doesn't help that the area is, you know, you know, packed with parking lots for the people attending events and everything. But it's just kind of ridiculous how like car packed that entire bike lane was. If I can find it, I'll forward it to you the way I did the, the other one of the guy who said that biking is unhealthy. Who said what? Ah. Yeah. Because you're exposed to the pollution. Is that why? Yeah. So biking is unhealthy because I'm driving my polluting vehicle. Exactly. Great. Well, Thanks no, a lot, also, But I mean, I've also seen studies that said that even given that you're maybe getting more pollution, although cars take in a lot of exhaust because they're right behind other cars. But even given that, the benefits of exercise outweigh, you know, the, the detriment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, it, it, it's hard to rationalize that, you know, cars over um, bicycles, but people like that exist. Right. Anyways. You're going to tell us like a route, like a, um, a route. It was, but when we were doing our, Oh, you our could look, call it route awakening. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
like I said, um, I was trying to like figure things out. Um, I just don't. I, I just didn't have the necessary stuff for it. Um, the whole idea of it was to like you know have a visual for it, kind of do like a, a run through of you know different routes to certain locations that that I take whenever I go out for. Um, because I think right now if I was just to like go ahead and say like hey here here's where I go and this is the street I take. It would be over in like a flash and it would um i just don't think it, it, it would be as engaging so that's why i said i think i need a, a little more time to figure out you know how i'm gonna um, format it and make it a little more interesting for the people listening cool we'll have some maybe some audio samples too right as you uh yeah kind of like and I, spoken and word piece right with some audio i was also samples. thinking about it um i think it, it it'd be nice also to kind of have like a GoPro handy and like maybe sort of um, record some of the rides, but that's what I don't have. And I haven't even been on a big ride since this whole thing started. So um, that's one of the reasons why I kind of pitched this because I'm like, well, I'm gonna like sit in here. I'm not really, I'm only riding my bike to and from work. And at times I'll, I'll just like think about, you know, when I used to you know, go out and do longer rides, but um, yeah, I, um, totally taking like a, switch from well, what I would normally come on and do um, just because I thought this was more, you know, it would better like, you know, click with, with people who, who listen, listen in because I don't think that many people actually, you know, follow the sport of, cy of cycling from your audience. Well, so you were our sports reporter uh, until I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Well, like, I mean, back, I mean, I used, yeah, I used to do it like, what was it, like 10 years ago? I was also doing it. Yeah. And when we used to do it and do it at the studio on um was like Beverly and in Wilshire when we used to have chicken leather as well. Yeah. Yeah. So chicken leather. And that was fun too, but like always in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, this is great, but you know, how many people out there are actually like, you know, going like, oh well, that's kind of cool. Or like how many people actually like started watching what I was doing. Um so that's why I decided to, you know, figure something else to bring to the show well we look forward to it eric and uh thanks for coming on and giving us a yeah little hopefully update. next week yeah i'll have some. sounds it sounds fun um where can we follow you on social media before we uh let you go um most active on twitter twitter and your handle yeah. it's at eric 8a92 all right cool. uh thanks, nick we're gonna put that in the soundcloud as well so sure all right there's not a all i right. mean my account isn't like very bike heavy yet. oh is there's it some no, stuff okay. here and it, it, it's all over the place um personal stuff not personal stuff just um Ranting. yeah well okay. that could be good sometimes yeah <laughs> all right eric, thanks for then, like go ahead okay cool uh thanks for coming on eric we're gonna um now we're gonna take the show to uh is Yolanda with us right now? We've got Yolanda Davis Overstreet and we've got We the People Black Lives Rollin', which is our next segment on Bike Talk. And uh, the topic today is what's justice got to do with it? So Yolanda, are you out there? I think we have Yolanda's guests, but not Yolanda. I see them, yeah. I see everybody, hi guests. So why don't we just bring everybody on and when Yolanda gets on, we're going to... 
we have Lynn. We can talk to Lynn for a minute. Oh yeah, hey Lynn. Lynn Ingram. I don't know if she's there. She is on mute. (laughs) Yeah, no worries, no worries. We were going to talk to you anyways. Um, How are you doing? Give us the report from your end of town. The report. (laughs) Bike report. The bike report. In Lynn's world. As we wait for Yolanda, Yolanda's going to come on pretty soon. So the bike report is a lot of what uh, everyone has been talking about. You know, I was hit a few years ago, and I've all these years I've been able to dodge cars, and one finally nicked me. But uh, I've been riding. uh, Ooh, we used to call them ten speeds. Forty-nine years. Forty-nine years dodging cars. Wow. I, I can save. I can save myself out of mud puddles, wet leaves, gravel, oil. Wow, 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 wow. So you are a survivor. I'm a survivor, but this one lady was looking at the phone and she just, bam, went right into me. So, yes, I'm very um, much interested in everything that you guys are doing for us, uh, keeping things um keeping all these talking points in front of other people that may want to join in to different movements, sign petitions, bring things up to their local governments, um, just bring things up to their friends and let them know we are, we are traffic. We're trying to get somewhere. We're not just poking around out here sightseeing all the time. Sometimes we And even if we were, it's still none of your business. Yeah, don't hit me. Don't hit yeah, me, bro. <laughs> I, I would think that probably, what, 50% of traffic is probably people that don't really need to be driving right now. So it's not yeah. like we have to, you know, that's one of the things that people always kind of downplay us. So, oh, they're yeah. just out recreating. It's like, so are you. Yeah. So yeah. that's none of your business. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, it's really critically important. And so many people right now uh, have suffered a drastic income change. Um, you know, this, there are a lot of us that are 1099s. We freelance yeah. because we like free time. So we work when we want to work and then we take off a couple of months. Well, when this whole thing hit, a lot of the 1099 community had no income, at least until the rules changed. So they were on the bike so they didn't have to buy gas. <laughs> they didn't want to spend any Saving money. money. Yeah, Save they could money. You couldn't, you just didn't know when it was coming back in. So, you know, a lot of people found out what we've been talking about all along, that it is a great form of transportation. It keeps your wallet full, um, but it is something you have to, you have to deal with. You have to get the lights. You have to be vocal. You have to keep your eyes open. You keep your head on swivel. Because even if you're doing everything right, someone may not see you. So you have to be ready to bunny hop to the curb, jump on the grass. I dove, last time I dove on the grass, oh my gosh, where I was I was near SpaceX. That's where I was. I was near SpaceX and I timed the lights and I shot behind the cars and the, you know, the next set of lights was coming up. Somebody turned a corner and hit the gas and was coming up right behind me. And I dove onto the grass right by SpaceX. And it's just a little slither of grass, like, you know, 18, 20 inches of grass. <laughs> I don't want to and, and dodge that bullet. But uh, it, it's just, you know, it's just, we've really, I, I'm so passionate about the infrastructure because a few north, south, east, west, and diagonals 
that have uh, segregated bike lanes really move traffic along. You know, you can get a long way going down one of these diagonal streets to get where you're going. You, you know, I, I was heading out to um, Montrose and it was, I was dodging cars the whole way. And I thought, you know, everybody takes this, this street on their bike, but at certain times of day, you know, it, the traffic is too heavy. And it was just all the way to Mont, all the way to Glendale. It was, it's a great ride, <laughs> but you know, just not necessarily a safe ride. But anyway, I take Well, that. Lynn, we appreciate your your update, your woman on the street update. <laughs> and uh do, on the street. <laughs> I saw that you're trying to uh you're you're looking for a car right now, but um for backup. I, it's yeah, for it's backup. getting dark early and I you know, I just Sometimes sometimes you gotta get out there, yeah. And sometimes you do need a car. That's another point that we try to make here is like Yeah. Uh, cyclists are usually also car drivers as well. So oh, sure. we are yeah. just trying to get from A to B, just right. like you. Right. So anyways, Lynn, thanks for coming on the show. We're going to try and get Yolanda on. We're trying Please very desperately here. Is. Yeah. And you, you're welcome to stay with us and, you know, I'll um, text you a cell phone number if I have one in my phone. Okay. She looks like she's still trying to get on. Nick, how do we do this? We gotta get Yolanda on here. Thanks, guests, know, for uh, your patience. Sometimes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh my right. God, that's crazy. Well, thank you for spending your evening with us the next hour. Um, and uh, so, for those tuning in uh, for the first time, this is We the People, Black Lives Rolling. It's a series of conversations with Black Lives on bikes and beyond. And this evening, we have, as you probably have already heard, we have uh, Talib uh, Abdullahi and Channing Martinez. Uh, Talib is actually in uh, Austin, Texas, and Channing's here in LA. Um, I've actually shared a, a brief bio on you guys on, on the um, social media, on Facebook, Instagram, but I'll just read it again for those of you that might not have seen it. Um, Talib is actually a 31-year-old creative living in Austin, Texas, and he's an average cyclist, as he states, uh, with a dream. And his dream is to use the power of cycling to help share Black stories. And his current project, the Black History Bike Ride, had over 400 cyclists uh, that actually came out and did this ride, um, inaugural ride in June of 2020. And basically, uh, you guys rode around at Black Historical Sites in Austin, Texas. Is that correct, Talib? Yeah, okay. we rode to, uh, yeah, 12 sites with a lot of uh, historical significance, uh, Black history in Austin that a lot of people, especially cyclists, you know, ride past every day and, and don't even realize that, you know, that's there. So just trying to draw exactly. more. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? Um, when we talked last, I, I, it, it just kind of, there were so many other exciting things that we're talking about. I forgot to share that around 2000, maybe 13, um, I was actually in Austin, Texas uh, at the, um, what's his name? The, the cyclist that was the big, uh, Lance Armstrong bike yep. shop. And um, uh, colleagues of mine were starting the Major Taylor uh, bike 
bicycling club. And so it was kind of a launching and we had Nelson Bells come out and we actually did some of those historical rides, which I have photos of to go back from the thousands of photos actually that I've taken over the past 10 years. So welcome. And uh, we look forward to hearing more of what you have uh, to share with us. And then another colleague, Channing Martinez, that's here in South LA. Uh, Channing is the director of an organizing, uh, director of organizing for the Labor Community Strategy Center, I, again, here in Los Angeles, um, in, the, in an area more so called South LA by off of, uh, let's see, Crenshaw and is that called King or is that Obama? I'm kind of getting confused with all these streets, um, Channing. Is that, that's King and Crenshaw? King and Crenshaw. Yeah, King and Crenshaw. I know Obama's somewhere around there, but yeah, King and Crenshaw. Also, uh, Channing is the producer of Voices from the Front Lines, which is also a KPFK Pacifica radio um, broadcast that happens every Thursday? Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Every Tuesday, okay. And he also is a past candidate who ran for LA City uh, Council District uh, for the City Council. And so welcome, Channing. Uh, we've actually done uh, a lot of um, community events together. And in fact, Channing was just on a webinar that I organized earlier this month, um, which was called Co-Creating uh, Safety of Pedestrian Spaces During the COVID Time. So thanks again for coming in on this radio station uh, and joining. And again, I also thank, always thank Don and Nick for just making this opportunity possible. So just to dive right in, um, basically, I just want to start out by finding out kind of how did you guys get into bicycling? You know, kind of were you, were you born into a family that just kind of rode bikes all the time, so born into bicycling? Or when was it introduced to you as um, young Black boys? And whoever would like to step up and start this conversation. Chani? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Because <laughs> yeah. it's been a very long, long time. Um, I think there's a transition of like when I got my first bike versus, all right, when, when I started, like, I'm really taking this serious. I'm going to Kenneth Hahn to go biking type of thing. No. Oh, no, no, no. When you got your first bike, like, you know, as a kid, do you remember that? Do you remember riding kind of with your family in your neighborhood or not? Because some, some of us, you know, have not had that experience of riding when we were young. Um, well, I faintly, I don't remember my first bike. I remember when my sister uh -huh. got a bike. And there's this very embarrassing story I will tell <laughs> that uh, she got used bike and it was big. It was way big, too big for me. Okay. Uh, and the main brake, the back brake did not work, but I didn't know that oh, at the wow. top of the hill going down at, you know, 20 miles an hour. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so I'm sitting here like, oh my God, oh my God. Don't right, right, right. And I, I know she that. Told I me know a whole that. story about don't use your front brake because we watched a video of someone Whoop. flipping right up front. Yes. So I didn't want to do yes. the front brake. So I find that if you started to slow down and I used the front brake finally, but by the time I'm pushing it, there's this palm tree right there and I'm pulling <laughs> into this uh, oh, no. you know, driveway and it scratches my whole face. And, you know, oh my God. 
tiger face for a whole week that's crazy (laughs) that is i i i know that experience i've had it um and did you did you get on the bike like soon after that or did you actually kind of take a moment like months before you were brave enough to get i'm not sure if i i think i took a few months (laughs) because right I was kind of mad at her because she knew that <laughs> bike brake was broken. She didn't tell oh, me. Man. So, um, oh, man. Oh, man. That sounds like a little revenge, right? <laughs> right there. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, bikes are, are kind of also, if we don't know how they operate, especially if it's a newer kind of bike, because I had that same experience. Um, someone brought a 10 speed. Um, it wasn't mine. I'm like, cool, let me try it out, you know, and this is, um, gosh, when was this? I think, was I, I'm, I don't know if I was like at the end of my teens or first part of my 20s, but I just, you know, went to show off and take off down the street, but I wasn't sure how to operate this new brake thing. And I did exactly that and flipped over. I was a, a little girl on a tricycle and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, um, Stop. So I think I crashed in to the little kid on the tricycle and flipped over, you know, like, like you said, over her. Yeah, but it didn't stop me. What about you, Talib? Um, what, what, what's your first experience of, of getting on a bike that you remember? Because I know we've we talked about that. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I grew up as an only child. And um, mm-hmm. my mom bought me a bike. And I think that was like, the, the portal, you know, for me, I was probably like seven years, six or seven years old. And right. Just, you know, gave me something to do all the time, you know. And uh, yeah, I remember that pretty clearly. I also have <laughs> a story from that time, but there was this, you know, we lived in the, these condominiums and uh, yes. basically I, I got the confidence to ride my little, like, 24 inch like little tiny kids mountain bike down like these two steps and you have to make a right turn because the street was right there and so I did not make the turn and I ran right into a BMW and it was it was parked oh no I ran into a parked car right and oh it was crazy. like a brand new and I remember like going to my mom being like uh it was like kind of you know the first time I had like gotten in a bike accident but I was okay yes but I dented the BMW pretty bad. So did I went you? to my mom and I was like, hey, I, I did something. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Not good, yes. Don't, don't, don't dent any cars, you know. Right, right. Was someone in the car? No, did they you, weren't Was there. it a hit and run or? <laughs> right. I, yeah, I didn't know. Was it a hit and run on your that. part? <laughs> Yeah, 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 no, we had to like leave a note on the windshield. That was that was a early childhood memory. Um, but when I really right. more uh, involved in the cycling community, um, we had at that point we were living um, somewhere uh, a little bit outside of Houston. I grew up in Houston, Texas, um, mm-hmm. and uh, there, you know, kind of a smaller uh, suburban community, and there was a BMX track out there. And uh, I had already, you know, realized that I loved to ride bikes. So, uh, you know, we, my mom, you know, after saving up some money, bought me a BMX bike so I could go out to the BMX track. And um, a lot of things happened from the beginning of that until, you know, I joined the BMX team there. But that was really Uh when uh, cycling turned from something that, you know, I just did 
uh, leisurely to something that I engage with as, uh, you know, a hobby and a sport and a rec, you know, a recreation. Correct. I, I really started to focus a lot of energy and attention to. Yeah, yeah, that's actually, that does flow into kind of the next questions that I had. I think, you know, we just rolled into about two or three of the questions that I had, which was, was there an experience that really stands out to you that still kind of resonates when you get on a bike? You know, that like either I'll never do that again, or I definitely know, you know, how to control the bike so I never get um, or get out of a situation, so to speak. Um, so I didn't know if those were things that still you guys kind of carried into today in terms of just how you handle yourself, maybe even in spaces, you know, because we have a lot of the issues now with what are the safe spaces for black men um, or black people or brown people to move around in? And, you know, did you have any kind of scary or maybe, you know, harassing that's happened to you growing up on a bike or being out in open spaces? Um, for me, not so much. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think I grew up in a very interesting time where the Black community was still very Black. Um, and so everyone in mm -hmm. our neighborhood... Now, was, was it here in L.A.? Because you're not here, here in L.A. Here, that right? was uh, so right was... by um, Ke okay. I'm sorry, okay. Crenshaw, Crenshaw and Florence area. Um, and okay. so, okay. uh, but the, when I did have experiences, it was when I started riding out of necessity out of my neighborhood. And so there was a time I was going to uh -huh. a communal college and could not, I couldn't afford my bus pass for that month. And so I had to bike to okay. school, uh, which, you know, it's not at all an easy ride. I don't even know how I <laughs> concentrated on school. Wow. But, um, yeah. yeah, I remember one How time. How many miles? Was, was it a lot of miles? Uh, yeah, I think it was probably eight or ten. Or was it a lot of hills? Say that again. Okay, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I was coming back from school one time. And it was one of these blocks that sort of has a, they're divided. The going and the coming is divided. And so. Uh, okay. All this car definitely saw me coming riding and about to cross the street and they almost okay. hit me um and i flicked them off of course because i'm like what the <laughs> f you made eye contact with me and you purposely sped up right to hit me apparently it's some white lady wow. uh i don't know if she's a white imperial uh supremacist but then uh yes I crossed the street safely and then we got into some argument. I told, you know, I used some language I'm not going to repeat, but uh, that's the closest thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. That, that doesn't sound good at all. So kind of, I guess, in terms of what did that teach you, you know, also in terms of moving around in open spaces, because that does kind of fall in, in the category of mobility justice. And, and, you know, even back in the days of, uh, 1800s with Major Taylor, you know, 1896. I mean, he had to learn how to be a good racer and maneuver the other racers knocking him off the bike. I mean, that's mm -hmm. literally how he learned how to speed up when he passed certain, all the racers, which were white, because he was the only black racer and world champion. Um, so he had to learn how to adjust his entire movement um, within 
you know, these racially um, uh, influenced, you know, racism influenced realities. And so I guess for you, you know, how do you, I mean, how is it that you choose to move around in space? It's, it's so important that we need to think about and have conversations about that now. Well, I mean, I hate to go to it. Um, I don't like using the term, but there's that term code switching, <laughs> um, which is yeah. a triggering term. But, you know, even before I got on a bike, you know, when I get to El Camino, there is definitely a level of code switching, realizing that you can't really be mm. your full, authentic Black self on that campus, right? It's in the middle of a mm. mainly Asian and white neighborhood in Torrance. Um, and yeah, I went there years ago for a semester. Oh, yeah. you did? Good. It's pretty yeah. good college. <laughs> I think we've gone to a lot of the same schools. That's interesting. But, <laughs> but only you went years after me. But Because you went to Otis. I went to I Otis. Did, you yeah. know, El Camino was my first, um, my first semester at college was at El Camino. But anyway, didn't mean to interrupt your story. So, yeah, the um, cold switching. So that. all of that to say that I think we as black young men really learn early on about realizing who you have to be when you're in certain spaces. Um, and uh -huh. if anything, if that bike incident taught me anything, it was really a reminder that you know, I'm riding through a white neighborhood as a black kid on a bike. And uh -huh. I thought maybe I was gonna flick them off and they'll be like, whatever, and move about their day. I was, you know, I didn't say this part of the story, but I was freaked out when they rolled down their window and started shouting at me and cursing at me. And it's a white person cursing wow. at me. Um, and, you know, coming from huh. Crenshaw High School in a really black neighborhood, I'm like, oh shit, there's some white crazy person in their car cursing at me. Uh, of course, wow. I cursed back, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> Okay. Even that experience was is just a reminder. Like, travel. What the fuck? There. Are, yeah. There are police on bikes passing my window. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways. Um, wow. Uh, right just, now, you mean? Yeah. Right now, I'm at Strati and so there was just. Oh my god. On uh, horses. <laughs> that was so weird. Um, anyways. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, that's not by coincidence, but yeah, so, I mean, uh, so that's it was a reminder to me that you really have to be careful when you are in certain spaces. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Did we, did we just use, lose Yolanda for a second? I think oh, she, oh, there she's she coming back on. Yeah, cool. Can you hear me? Yeah. I can't hear you, but um, let's see. My mic's on and I see you, but I don't hear you. You can just share your story and keep pushing us. I guess and until Yolanda can jump in chanting, I'll kind of tell you my story. Um, so I moved uh, from Houston to Austin, Texas uh, when I was 18 to go to the University of Texas. And uh, I was, uh, you know, not able to afford a car for several years um, when I first came to college. And, uh, you know, even getting to go to college was something that was a, 
a huge achievement because I, I didn't think I'd be able to afford to go to college for a, lot, a long time in my life. Um, and so there were some really big, you know, kind of critical mass style rides that would happen that would leave from, you know, the University of Texas campus. And uh, those were just so much fun. There, there is a huge, wonderful social ride uh, community in Austin and it's all volunteer run. It's a very diverse community. And, you know, the goal is really just uh, to ride bikes and to be active. And, you know, you, you end up sharing lots of good stories and good times with, with these folks. And, you know, there, there are people out riding pretty much every night of the week, you know, once you kind of get into it. So it's a really great way to, to be both social and everything. And some of these critical mass rides uh, that were happening, geez, I mean, about 10 years ago, um, they were direct uh, kind of protests in opposition of, you know, car culture and oil culture and um, kind of all of these things. Uh, Yolanda, can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was like 19. I was very just, I just loved to ride my bike all the time. I had a Bianchi fixed gear uh, and I would go on these rides once a month and, and several of the other social rides that would happen throughout the month. And so, you know, I, at that time I was very young and I'd, I'd, I'd been doing that for maybe about six months. And uh, um, on one of the rides, uh, I was like 19. I think it was uh, in the summer um, of 2000, I think 2009. Yeah. Around then, um, I was with a group of about, you know, a critical mass ride of about three or 400 cyclists. Um, and we had just ridden about to the halfway point. I think it was around 7 p.m. So the sun was about starting to set. And um, <clears throat> on these rides, since it is kind of a protest, there were several, you know, uh, people who would kind of get kind of in the middle of the lanes and stop traffic, uh, stop the vehicle traffic so all the bikes could ride through. Um, most of these were white people with bandanas over their faces, right? I knew that in that space, um, I was a visible minority. There are several, I would say compared to most cycling clubs and groups, there are a lot more African-American people that go on the social rides. Um, but the groups are predominantly, uh, predominantly white. And there are actually a lot of Latino, you know, people that come on these rides too. And I don't know, it's, it's a very, for, for, you know, cycling community and, and, and cycling clubs and groups, it's very diverse, but even in that space, I still am, you know, very visible in, in a sea of, of mostly white faces. Um, so essentially on, on one of these rides, uh, the last one I went on for a long time, um, there were several white folks blocking the intersections and uh, we got to kind of a main intersection and I was pushed, uh, there, were, there were cops kind of basically flanking and a lot of people ahead of me had been able to ride their bikes around. Uh, and basically when I tried to ride right past someone, right behind someone around one of the cops, the cop pushed me off my bicycle um, and basically detained me and arrest me uh, and told me that I had been blocking the intersection, um, which I had not done. Um, and keep in mind, there were three or 400 people on this bike ride. A lot of people, I would say almost half of them were, were white. Um, I was arrested and two other Hispanic people were arrested, but there wow. were no, there were no, you know, everyone that was arrested was a person of color and reasonably, you know, it, it seems like a, an a 
overuse of, of force because once I got into the jail, because I spent a night in jail uh, and explained, yeah. everyone's like, what do you do? And I was like, I was riding my bike and I got pushed off by a cop. You know, everyone in jail was like, man, that's, that's messed up, man. Um, so yeah, you know, in, in that sense that that's the only time I've really had problems with the, the police. I think I've been fortunate as a black man to not have faced a lot of other uh, scenarios. I, I would say, um, sorry if this is triggering for anyone, but code switching is a real thing. And it's for me almost like when I'm speaking to a, a, a cop or, you know, white person of authority, it just like, it just happens without me even thinking about it. Uh, and it's something that I think has, has really, um, in certain senses, if that wasn't something that just happened, you know, I, that just didn't occur innately for me, like, I'm not sure what the other outcome is, because I've even noticed that I'm able to explain a situation and explain myself, you know, in the way that I'm able to, and cops are like, hmm, you know, whereas uh, I feel like if I, my vernacular was a little bit different, you know, it, things could go very differently. And that's just right. not the way to be. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me, Tyler? Yes. Okay, great. I just want to make sure. I mean, that's infuriating. I, I mean, and, and, I, and I know it is a reality more so for Black boys and Black men. Um, it has been. And, and it's still, I believe, a, it happens more to men, black boys and men. Um, you know, it, it's heavy and it's been heavy for the past couple of days to carry the weight of Brianna Taylor. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it, it appears that it, it may be because of our phones and the advocacy that we're doing um, that police are also just abusing black women, you know, as much as they are now black men and, and killing them with no regard. And so I'm sorry to hear, you know, anytime I hear um, about black lives having to be subject to this type of enforcement, you know, uh, racism, uh, simply riding on a bike. And as you also know, um, only maybe several weeks ago, um, another young man who's 29, was he 29? Um, either 26 or 29 years old. Uh, his name is Dijon Kinsey, uh, was killed here in Los Angeles while riding, um, pulled over um, while riding on his bike in South LA and told that um, he was riding, um, he was being, he was violating a bike, you know, code. And, um, and then after he got off his bike, then they found another reason to harass him more. And he knew this wasn't good. You know, um, what, what, whatever his history had been here in Los Angeles in those 20 something years of his young life, um, he knew this was not gonna go down well. And so basically the fact of his, of his back being turned and he's running from them because he knows he's probably going to face more abuse. And, um, and uh, they shot him more than 20 times. Um, shot him in his back and also his head. And he was unarmed, you know. And even if he was armed, like we see a lot of the white nationalists and white supremacists 
um, and not just one together. None of them are ever shot. Um, so, you know, I think that leads me into the conversation we're having today, which is how do we, how can we enjoy bicycling as um, an exercise and commuting, um, having the adventures that as human lives, uh, we should all be able to do, you know, how do you guys, what kind of, what moved you number one into the justice work that you do? Because both of you do do justice work in your own right. And um, is this something new for you, Talib, in terms of having this organizing ride or were it in terms of black sites and black locations and it, I mean, just getting on your bike is a justice move, like you said, as a, as a Black life. Um, but what has this experience been like for you in terms of this organizing to acknowledge the narratives and history of our Black ancestors and Black lives? Uh, yeah, so it is definitely a very new thing for me. Um, it's something that really has, has, has formed really organically. Um, it, it's, it, it appears that especially within the cycling community and, and the larger community, um, there is a desire to find ways to learn about black history and to understand black history. And I, I think that can happen in a lot of ways. The, the beautiful thing about the black history bike ride is that we're able to tell local stories of, of, you know, uh, just things that have happened in black history in, in different cities and at different locations. So one, we're getting people on their bikes, we're getting them active, and we're taking them directly there. And we can tell them, like, you know, you're standing in the same place where these, you know, freed slaves, you know, stood. And this is this is where they used to pray. Uh -huh. This is where the communities would gather. And I think that helps, helps people get a really good sense of what that's like in a way that's, you know, when, when people say, oh, I didn't really like history in high school or college or whatever, you know, the goal of this is to really bring it really home where it's not just about history. It's about the fact that, you know, this is our city and this is us. And if you care, we can take, you know, an afternoon and we can spend a little time learning about it. It's, it's definitely been a, just a very, you know, for me, it's a very, very new thing. Um, we're working essentially, you know, the mission right now is to both demystify and, and make learning this history fun. And, you know, I think bike rides are very fun, you know? Right, uh, right. So, you know, in terms of feeling safe, you know, strength in numbers, we usually do these, these bike rides with a group. Um, but also, you know, all, all of these sites are uh, easily accessible by a bike. They're all public locations. Um, there are bike lanes almost everywhere. And, you know, I would say, fortunately, um, I feel pretty safe riding around town where I am, you know, and uh, of course things have happened. Um, but in my mind, you know, you have to be, uh, you know, you just have to be willing to accept what's going on. And even if we're not in a perfect situation uh, with society, oh, accepting oh, black lives, acknowledging that black lives matter, um, I believe my life matters. And I believe my life matters when I'm riding a bike. And that's not gonna oh, stop me, um, no amount of fear or, questioning of what's what I could face out there that that never really uh stops me because it shouldn't have to right and no I, I totally agree and and we definitely can't be stagnant um even though uh, so much strife and so much hatred 
that is existing now that we have to find ways to still be able to go outside our doors and make things happen and also to stand up for uh, what needs to be done. Uh, I know just from a standpoint of just all of the, the justice work that you're doing um, at the Strategy Center, but I also know you're an artist. And so kind of how have you blended these worlds together and kind of moved into this major justice work that you're doing here in LA? Yeah, they're not two separate worlds. I was part of the Strategy Center before I went to Otis College Art and Design. And so, uh, see. Uh, okay. and the main, my main world is the Strategy Center and the movement mm -hmm. for Black liberation. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is, but, you know, given that though, the Strategy Center is such a diverse place that we did everything in the Strategy Center, right? We had yeah. our own drum and chant crew. Uh, there was an art committee there was a social media committee. Uh, there was an organizing committee. Um, there was a, you know, sort of a street action committee, which yeah. you know, those folks did not just the protests, but, you know, the wheat pasting and putting things on electrical boxes illegally. Um, and uh, people doing movie nights, doing book nights. Um, so it's such a diverse community that you know, we're trying to really set up an alternative to this racist and imperialist government, right? Um, and so, you know, I like the question that you ask is how do you, how do you move forward and how you, you know, move forward knowing that you're not safe? And I think that, you know, you have to ground that in the real history of this country that there was never a point where Black people were safe in this country. Mm. Um, and even beyond that, even if you get justice for Black people in this country, right, there was mm -hmm. never a point where other people in other countries were ever safe from this country and realizing that, you know, this country is having a really big impact on other third world nations, right? They went after China. They went after Venezuela. They went after the Vietnamese. They're going after China. They went after Russia. They went, I mean, just virtually every single country you can name in the world, that's not mm -hmm. a European country, that is, except for maybe Germany. And it's only because they were dragged into the whole Germany thing that uh, they actually went over and tried to fight Nazism. But just about every country that's third world, Black, Latinx, Asian, Pacific Islander, this country has gone after, right? Um, so, you know, the work is grounded in specifics like figuring out how do we get justice for Dijon Kizzi, but even that is grounded in a larger narrative of what do we do about the United States. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think just the whole movement when we talk about it from a sustainability standpoint, as well as, um, you know, our air and the carbon emissions, I mean, how bicycling can play a role and how we as black and brown lives, my feeling is that we need to, you know, be involved in this approach of how to address um, climate change, you know, and, but yet at the same time, we're worried every time we go outside our doors, you know, is someone going to get harmed? Is someone going to get killed or, and or arrested as, 
um, Tyler just mentioned in terms of simply going on a bike ride. So when we think about the bike movement and we think about um, black girls who bike and a lot of different, um, you know, uh, bike groups, black bike groups, we really need to have this conversation too. Just for, and I know the conversation is being had, but we also have to look at how do we ride and stay safe? You know, and I know also just from a standpoint of what the strategy center where you're working with, uh, you know, protesting and, and trying working to get policy change in terms of um, free transportation um, and, and spaces. I know you don't want cars. I mean, what, what your campaign is about is no cars, you know, in um, LA, which I know, you know, that's a bit, but um, at least decrease my feeling is at least get rid of the cars that we have in LA, which COVID has really cut that down. Sorry, I missed that whole piece. You kind of did, you kind of um, blocked out or something. Oh, something me? happened with the sound. Okay. Um, can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So basically, yeah, I'm just basically, you know, just kind of going over the campaigns that um, Strategy Center is working on um, from the standpoint of um, the no cars and free bus transportation. And kind of how do we blend that into our conversation on bicycling and safety? Yeah, and all of those converse, all of those uh, demands. So we have a campaign for urban transformation with uh, free public transportation, no police on buses and trains, uh, no police in LUSD schools, stop MTA attacks against black passengers, and no cars in LA. Um, and Prior, after my election, we added the to have cut the LAPD budget by 50% uh, and 50% of all black jobs going to, I'm sorry, all black jobs, that's funny, 50% of all jobs going to black people. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, it, it has a twofold, right? Um, that campaign right. is mostly third world focused, right? Um, it isn't just free public transportation because we need it. It's free public transportation as because we need it, but also because we're living in the car capital of the world. Um, and so when they're talking about a tsunami in Southeast Asia, you know that Los mm-hmm. Angeles is one of the cities that caused that tsunami because people want to ride in their single passenger mm-hmm. automobiles, right? So that's one aspect. Right. It does blend in because black people are being arrested and ticketed on public transit, right? Uh, for not being able to pay the fare, right? And so back when I was at El Camino, I was too ashamed to get on the bus to ask for a free ride. Uh, most people are more, more bold than me and they get on the bus and ask for a free ride and rightfully so because they paid their taxes and that their taxes are paying for that bus ride. Um, and so I chose to bike but a lot of people are getting on the bus and trains because they have places to go um, and not paying their fare because they can't, there's no jobs out here. They can't afford the fare, right? And Metro is already getting money that already covers their fare, right? And so when black people are being ticketed, right, on public transportation, then free public transportation not only becomes an environmental and climate justice demand, it becomes a real civil rights, uh, black liberation demand as well. 
Right, right. And I know that you guys have actually been doing um, environmental work, you know, way before it really even has started occurring with some of our newer community-based organizations. And so I just kind of had a flash thought of, of what a ride would be like to have you and Talib doing this ride together, you know, from the standpoint of both historical and, and moving forward into uh, more justice, safety, you know, um, environmental kind of consciousness ride would be really powerful. Um, so I think just in terms of just kind of moving into what, what are you guys have coming up next um, in terms of that you'd like to share or that people can get involved in or, you know, learn more about the, the types of projects that you guys um, are planning? Because I know, Talib, you're, you're working on something that sounds pretty exciting if you want to share that with us. Um, are you going to have another organizing, another organized kind of historical ride or what's next on your agenda? Yeah. So, I mean, the plan is 100% absolutely to organize more rides uh, around uh, Black history. Um, we have a do domain name, blackhistorybikeride.com. Um, and, uh, you know, once we get that live here in the next uh, month or two, we're working with a really amazing designer uh, and team um, to create that. Um, you know, that's going to serve as a portal for for people to one, you know, learn about black history bike rides that they can do in their city. Uh, but also just to go read about black history generally, you know, and maybe learn something new. Um, so it's going to be somewhat of a portal where, you know, the idea is, is that, you know, you can ride a bike between all these places, but um, the history already exists. Uh, we're not, you know, I don't want to say we're reinventing the, the wheel, but you know, we're, we're making history uh, approachable and easy for people to learn so the website's right, gonna right. be a place that you can learn about history and also you can you can just say like, all right i want to go on a bike ride and this will be cool and we're starting in austin and you know the plan is to kind of do uh some cities in houston um but 100 percent we want to bring one to la and uh you know there there can be one route or there can be many routes because we also want this to be inclusive of uh, many different um, communities of color and uh, different types of stories. So I envision there being, you know, uh, Latinx uh, ride, Asian American ride, indigenous ride. Um, there are many ways that we can tie these different ideas of, of learning history and, and riding bikes together. So for me, that's that's been the biggest thing. Um, we have been... Uh, things are getting a little bit better here right now uh, in Texas, but um, I think the general consensus is that since the first ride had like 400 people come to it, uh, yeah. a, little, a little hesitant to uh, organize another ride because I want as many people that can come to, to join on it, uh, but we want to be safe, you know, um, if even the right. first uh, was unwell because of, of this ride, it wouldn't be worth it. So um, we're right now working on the back end to basically give uh, each individual rider that wants to ride the tools to learn history and go on the ride themselves. That's exciting. And I definitely can see that just us having another conversation just on kind of how to make that happen, you know, and um, in our different parts of uh, the U.S. in particular, because we do have historical um, sites right in our own, you know, backyard um, that we know nothing about. I mean, also 
um, here in LA, the area I grew up in, um, is what which is my, where my parents moved in the house that I'm actually in now. This was um, considered a red line community. So, you know, there's so much just from a standpoint of what was happening, you know, with Black Lives, where were the spots, you know, to go in these so-called red line communities or low line, which meant that they were going to decline into red line. Um, then we also have Green Book sites. Um, and I don't think uh, the movie in particular, you know, just tapped in Green Book, just tapped into the whole conversation and sites and narratives behind um, the Green Book sites. Um, so I would love to definitely, you know, have you back and just talk kind of on how this process is going. And like you said, kind of, a, um, you know, kind of a do it yourself, um, in, interactive uh, bike riding and black historical education. I um, mean, like you said, I, it definitely can go to a, a Native American um, education, pretty much our black indigenous people of color because there is so much untold. Um, and so how, how do we get in contact with you or, or the folks that are watching? What's the best way to connect with you? Uh, yeah, uh, right now the best way to connect is uh, probably just reaching out to me on, on Instagram. Uh, my name is Talib Talib, T-A-L-I-B, T-A-L-I-B. Um, you can also, uh, you know, reach me at Black History Bike Ride on Instagram and uh, Black History Bike Ride at gmail.com. I will mention that uh, we are looking for volunteers. Uh, Self-starters are great because, you know, if, if you understand uh, how, if you understand just different Black History sites in, in your city, um, putting one of these, uh, one of these rides together really isn't that difficult, you know. Um, we essentially in Austin just, you know, I, I kind of drew a line between different freedmen's communities and, and places that had uh, historical significance that I had just known about from just living in the city for long enough. I said like, wow, this is a, a lot of history. And, and once I kind of drew that line around, uh, I was like, wow, we could do a bike ride, you know? And, and once I put that out, it really, it, it grew from there. So once we get this website live here, hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping by February of next year, it'll be ready okay. for everyone to access. Um, we're building it so that it's easy to have, uh, to add different cities. So we can easily add LA, San Francisco, Seattle. We, we can actually easy, easily add more cities there. So essentially, okay. if we have uh, volunteers or anyone that are active in their communities that are interested in kind of coming up with a route our roots, you know, yeah. uh, they can be very simple and, you know, um, essentially like, I'm definitely happy to talk to anyone who's, who's interested in doing that. Okay. Well, you'll be hearing from me, uh, definitely on that. And then also another organization I'm connected with, um, called people for mobility justice. Um, you know, they do a lot of work and I'm on their advisory board, but, um, so I think individuals like what you're saying and even, um, community-based organizations, definitely sh um, the Strategy Center, which um, Channing is at. So I think you guys definitely should keep in contact with each other. And then also, I was just going to recommend um, before I, I go to, to Channing um, that I, I see this as probably a good tool that you can introduce to um, to schools, honestly, um, and definitely middle schools and high schools. 
um, in terms of doing a bike ride. And so that uh, they can pretty much kind of come, you know, to you or can, can you know, the engaging way of taking it on a bike. So how fun is that? And then taking in the black narratives um, right there in Austin, because you guys had some pretty cool sites, which we don't have in LA, like, you know, some of those houses and churches and even the roads, you know, some of those roads look like that I know we rode in in certain parts of Austin. You know, it, it looked like it definitely it could have been in the 60s uh, since they were improved upon. I don't know oh, if yeah. you guys rode on some of those roads, but yeah, I have some cool pictures of that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Channing? I know you've got some call to actions and um, I know you guys just did some, you know, really focused work this week in terms of uh, your call outs and activities that you have happening at this time. You want to share with us? Yeah, this yesterday, uh, which is why I'm really, really tired, is we had a rally in front of the Metro Board, and uh, we had about 30 good people, but high quality folks. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and Metro is trying to cut bus service by 20% in the middle of a you know, a quarantine where the buses are already crowded and there's no social distancing. Um, and so we were protesting that and just uh, overall attacks against the black community. Um, so uh, I will let you know about the next steps about that once yeah. we have them, because um, the Metro is always doing weird, uh, you know, games. <laughs> um, but the next thing that we do have coming up, there's two things. Um, on Thursday, we are doing our uh, revolutionary organizing uh, film club where we view films and have conversation about political films and theories behind those films. Um, and each one is really about organizing and it is really about a political theme. And so uh, one of the films we watched, for example, is Sorry to Bother You. And we had the director um, on the actual Zoom. Um, and so we were able to talk to Boots Riley uh, okay. about... I love that movie so much. <laughs> it's a great movie. Yeah. 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 Um, so we don't know. I don't know yet what we're going to watch Thursday. That's part of okay. my duty this weekend, uh, along with Eric, to watch like 100 films. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then the second thing is Tuesday, we're going to be uh, in combination with students deserve at the LAUSD board. Again, uh, defending our recent victory that cut uh, 35% or $25 million from the LA school police budget. Yes, um, that was a very good, yeah. Yeah, very major, big victory major. for students. Yeah. Um, and so we're gonna go, they're gonna be talking about a task force who's been studying the matter on what the cuts were, are gonna be and how they should be cutting. And so it's going to be a really uh, very important rally to defend our victories. Um, so we'll be doing that uh, Tuesday around one o'clock. Um, and then okay. the club is Thursday at six o'clock. Okay. Okay. I would like to see how we can possibly, I mean, you and I could talk, but I'll have to do a little research because right offhand, I can't really think of a film or a short, you know, that kind of deals with, um, the mobility justice as it relates to black lives um, and just kind of 
that might be a film that obviously needs to be created, but just from the standpoint of what Talib went through, you know, the the assassination of Dijon Kinsey in South LA, and it would be to, to have conversations around outdoor, using outdoor spaces on bikes, um, going to the park, you know, walking down the street, things that we're talking about that um, every human life um, should be able to do and, and have access to, and especially black lives, because uh, after over 400 years of, of, of having to run from um, pretty much lynchers and hunters of hunting down our lives, you know, it's, it, it's enough. And so I, I think, you know, my approach is to figure out how to have those conversations in these circles um, as it connects to biking and as it connects to walking and using our green spaces that um, a lot of sustainability um, professionals and experts are having those conversations, but we have to keep reminding them that we can't do it safely. And, um, you know, that actually maybe even, again, is a whole nother area where films can be produced. There's one book that I shared on the uh, event page, and that is uh, Black, uh, what is it? Black Faces in White Spaces by Carolyn Finney. And she really, she really taps into kind of how we have been positioned as African-Americans in America, which is full time, Channing, um, which has never been for us. You know, we've never been build confidence for us to go out into these spaces and, and, and to try to have joy, as you were talking about, uh, Talib, you know, to, to, to be able to enjoy fun. To, to do fun things. Um, but every time we step out our door, I mean, our lives are political. And I didn't get this until a later age where you guys are both in your 30s. And for me, you guys are getting it so much earlier. Um, and there are still people that are in their 30s and 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s that still don't get it. So, you know, to be able to keep these conversations going from every corner. And so here, having this conversation on the bike channel. So I just thank you guys for coming today. And again, for uh, your, your stories are inspiring. Every time I have um, guests come on, you guys have your unique narrative that is important and it is valuable. So just keep doing what you're doing and keep inspiring me so I wake up every morning because <laughs> your work makes me wake up. And, um, and thank you, Don and Nick for providing this space and being open also to learn, you know, what's happening and to hear our narratives um, at this point. It's really important that more people do what you're doing, Don and Nick. And, Absolutely. Um, our, our pleasure. Yeah. Our pleasure. So this yeah. has been great. It's been a great partnership. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're wrapping up here for this Friday evening. It went, this is the first hour show that we've had and uh, along with my, of course, technical difficulties of my phone is trying to go out and I <laughs> but I've made it, I've made it through. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, any, you guys have any last words you'd like to share with uh, Talib or Chani in terms of their work? Did we get everybody's social media 
um, contacts. We always like to promote those for people. Yeah, sure. definitely. I didn't and get to say mine. Oh, Danny, you didn't hear yours. Uh, so you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Fight Soul Cities. And you can follow us on Facebook at Bus Riders Union or The Bus Riders Union, whichever one of those, and you'll definitely find our information. And then always feel free to email me. I'm always emailing folks, uh, Channing at the Strategy Center.org. All right. Well, thank you guys. And um, again, everyone have a good weekend. And I'll tell I will definitely be, you know, let's stay in contact. Uh, we actually did a workshop uh, before the workshop, uh, webinar that I did with Channing. So we've had a busy couple months in terms of having these conversations. Absolutely. I, I would love to uh, chat further with you. Uh, these uh, conversations have been wonderful. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. All right. Thanks, okay. guys. Um, we'll see you the thank next time. That was a good conversation. So we're going to sign off Bike Talk. Okay, guys. Well, okay. you guys have a good weekend. You too. Have a great weekend. Right on. Okay. And we'll, we'll talk soon. Okay. Take care. Peace. Theme song. Theme song. Let's do it. Bam, bam. Bam, bam. Bam, 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 bam. Rise in the morning and greet the day. Pull out the bike and I'm on my way. And transportation shows I care. Every turn of the pedal cleans the air. Green in the green. I'm saving the planet. Just like my friends Dale, Sean, Toby, and Janet. No greenhouse gas. A tiny carbon footprint up your Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 